0: Final hour here, fan drive time, Gunning and alley with you on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan here with you all week at this time slot. Very, very happy. Who's with us right now? Trey Wingo, Caesar Sportsbook Pro Football Network contributor at the 33rd team and host of the Trey Wingo Presents Half Forgotten History. Trey, busy, busy guy. Thanks for sliding in some time for us today. How are you doing?
1: Good, man. Glad to be with you. How are you?
0: Fired up, fired up. Uh, playoff picture is starting to take shape uh, across the NFL. You know, one of the teams that, that booked their ticket this weekend is is the Chargers. And I got to be honest, I'm thrilled to see him in there. You know, this this league is built on quarterback play, and there's a lot of great ones in this league. But I don't know that Justin Herbert has quite been able to insert himself into that conversation because of the success his team has had. And honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled he's going to be in the playoffs. I don't know how well that game's going to go for him, but I'm thrilled he, he gets a chance to uh, kind of get himself in the fight because you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but as far as tools go, he, he's right up there with anybody across the league.
1: He certainly is, and, and quite frankly, if they didn't find a way to get in this year, I'm not sure Brandon Staley would be there next year. So not only is it good for uh, Herbert, it might be good for Brandon Staley and his potential to hold on to that job a little longer. Uh, it wasn't the most convincing of wins. I mean, I'm not sure if there's another team they could have beaten with the way they played besides the Indianapolis Colts who had all kinds of uh, quarterback issues and, you know, game management issues. And, I mean, so the good news for the Chargers is they're in. It's not like they steamrolled anybody to get in there, but they found a way to get into the postseason, and that's all that matters.
2: Well, Trey, you look at another team in the Chargers division and the Las Vegas Raiders making some news today with Derek Carr getting benched for Jarrett Stidham, of all people. So I, I got to imagine with all the things about how much Derek Carr is owed next year and the physicals, he's probably going to be a, the quarterback of a different team. Whether or not that means Josh McDaniels and the Raiders are picking a, a QB with one of their top picks, I, I imagine that's probably going to be much discussed between now and April. But I, I'm curious, Like, I mean, when you look at – the, who is responsible? I guess for what is going on in uh, in Sin City. I, I, can you put it all at the feet of Josh McDaniels? Is Derek Carr culpable a little bit? I'm I'm curious where you fall on just the evaluation of what's been happening in in Las Vegas this year.
1: Yeah, let, let's attack this from two different levels, right? First and foremost, uh, there, there was a great movie that came out in the late 80s, 1987, starring Andrew McCarthy, Jamie Gertz, and a young Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and the title of that movie was less than zero. That's the percentage I'm putting of Derek Carr being back with the Raiders <laughs> next year. Okay? It is not happening. You just gave this guy 120 plus million dollar contract this off season. And you bench him, as you said, for Jared Stidham. Look, it's hard for me to say bad things about Jared Stidham because he went to my alma mater for a few years, Baylor, and played very well. Uh, but... You're telling me, with, you, still have a, you still have a pulse on the playoff. Not, not a, it's a faint pulse, but technically they're still alive in, in the playoff push. And you're telling me for the final two games of the regular season, you're putting out Jared Stidham, a quarterback. Here's where I remind everyone who the Raiders' final two games of the regular season are. They're playing the Niners and the Chiefs. Tell me how that's going to work. This is, <laughs> is as if the organization's like, well, crap, it's fourth and 23. I think we should punt. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't see them beating the 49ers. And I, with the way things are shaping up, the Chiefs are going to have, I believe, everything still to play for uh, in the final week of the regular season. And, oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes, as a starting quarterback has never lost a road division game. I don't think he's losing the first one to Jared Stidham and the Vegas Raiders. So this is, this is them punting not only on the season, but also on Derek Carr for sure, no matter what Josh McDaniel said at his press conference. The second part of this – go ahead, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I love the spin that started to come out about you know Derek Carr, Fresno yeah. guy, really doesn't like the cold. That's why you don't want him at this time of year. I, I just could not believe I uh, started to see that, but I, I don't want to cut you off of your second yeah. point there, Trey. Yeah, because either eight
1: or nine their games every year are in one of the coolest stadiums indoors in the country. So let's let's get rid of that garbage. Okay, that's just that's garbage. And now comes the second part: what happens next year? Let's just, let's just float out, first of all, the craziest thing that quite possibly could happen, okay? Who's in charge uh, and running the show right now? It's Josh McDaniels. Tom Brady has already said, I'm going to look at my options. He's not going to retire. Well, how much sense would it make for Tom Brady to be reunited with the offensive coordinator for the vast majority of his career in New England with Josh McDaniels? And then let's throw out this wild card as well. There's this guy. You may have heard of him. His name, he goes by this really cool nickname called Gronk. He's retired twice. uh, And he said on multiple occasions, I will only catch passes from Tom Brady in my career. That's how he mixed the trade to Detroit when the Patriots tried to send him there to help Matt Patricia when he was the head coach of the Lions. And when he came back the second time, he said, I'll only play for Tom Brady. And Gronk has tweeted out, what, last week, I'm bored? Yep. Uh, and he said, I'm not coming back this year, but I'm not saying I won't come back in 2023 when he'll only be 33. Like the dream scenario for the Raiders is let's put the band back together. And I don't think it's that far fetched to think about it because from Brady's perspective, you have Devonte Adams under contract. Mm-hmm. You have a Max Crosby and a Chandler Jones, even though Jones is on injured reserve now, Uh, You know, I don't know what they're going to do with Josh Jacobs because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, Um, but you have Darren Waller. You have Hunter Renfro. Hello, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, anyone? I mean, and, and then you bring in Gronk, then it gets really interesting.
0: Yeah, it is. I uh, I saw the Gronk stuff. And, I you know, it's funny. You know, you always hear about players, uh, not so much in football, but in other sports, about only wanting to play for one team for the entirety of their career and so seldom it happens. I don't know that there's a better kind of feather to have in your, your cap of your career of I've only ever caught passes for, for Tom Grady. And I might be, or not might be, I am definitely in the upper echelon of guys at my position all time. Uh, it's quite the nice little yeah. note uh, on the resume for, for Gronk there. Uh, I do want to ask you about the AFC South here. You know, the Titans, uh, you know, About a month ago, it looked like, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a finicky race, but they're going to take care of business. All of a sudden, they're tied with the Jags. Derrick Henry's now doubtful against the Cowboys. Those two teams are going to play each other in the final game of the season. Uh, Just how surprised are you at at the way the AFC South is kind of shaken out between those two teams this year?
1: Yeah, listen, first of all, I'm a huge Mike Vrabel guy. I mean, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the best. Same here. You're talking to two
0: Patriots fans, Trey, so we are are in the tank completely (laughs) for Vrabel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going to end up being the best uh, of, the, of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, even though he never technically coached under Belichick. But, you know, he learned everything he needs to know about being a head coach by playing under Bill Belichick. So I'm a huge Brabel guy. And over the last few years, nobody has done less with, more with less than Mike Vrabel, uh, with the, with the Tennessee Titans. I mean, they traded away A.J. Brown, and look what he's done in Philadelphia this year. Um, you know, the funny thing about both the Titans and the Jags, guys, is they could both win This game this week by 50 and lose by 50, and it doesn't matter. These games are irrelevant for who's going to win uh, the AFC South. It's all coming down to that final game in Jacksonville. So, you know, the question becomes, how do you play this week? Well, I think both teams have to play as if they need the game for two reasons. One, the Titans have lost five straight games. You cannot, in good conscience, sort of just say, we're going to sit our starters and potentially lose a sixth straight game and then go into uh, Jacksonville with zero momentum and very little confidence. I think they need to throw everything they have at the Cowboys just to get some sort of positive energy heading into that game in Jacksonville. And if you're the Jaguars, you know, hey, it's amazing when you have a real head coach, not a fake tough guy head coach like Urban Meyer. And, you know, you're building something there. Their win over the Jets on that last Thursday night was, I think, the most significant win of the season for them. They went outdoors in the elements against a really good defense and gutted out a win. And I think they need to keep building. So both these teams, and they're playing the Texans, so they're probably going to win anyway. You know, the Texans, my God, the last three weeks have given everybody fits. So give the Texans all the credit in the world for, you know, not backing down in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I, I, just, I just feel like there's, there's, no, there's no reasonable outcome for either team to try and coast this week with the way their seasons are going. One team needs to feel good about something, and the other team needs to keep building the momentum they have setting up for that massive showdown in Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, the the improvements that Trevor Lawrence has made, I guess, because it was kind of an uneven season right up until that overseas game against the Broncos. And he threw, I think, two pretty ugly interceptions. And after that, he seems to have really flipped the switch. I, I've never been one to say there's a one one game alone is a turning point because you look at a, a player, certainly a career, but in the entire season, their ups and downs and attrition sets in for injuries as it always does for everyone. But Trevor Lawrence has overcome, boy, a lot of things to actually look like, Trey, the the generational quarterback. I know that that term sometimes maybe gets overused, but I think we are actually starting to see the guy that people thought we'd get last year when Lawrence was drafted out of Clemson.
1: Yeah, look, two things like coaching matters. So we've already went over that. Urban should never have been there. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. I'm sure he'll be great in the college game again, but keep away from the NFL forever. Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl against the Patriots. That they're thinking their power with a backup quarterback. Coaching matters. Number two, Trevor Lawrence. To your point about that overseas game, he looked in the mirror and said, "I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be the guy that is the reason we lose." And he sort of took a new attitude after that game. And if, by the way, I, I just have to say, if he didn't work out, then every everybody that's ever been involved in the draft <laughs> needed to reevaluate the way they look at things because. There wasn't anyone who didn't think that he was going to be the surefire number one pick and deserved to be it and had a real opportunity to be a really good quarterback. So it's nice to see that what we all saw was there is there, but it also proves that coaching matters.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely does. And, you know, I, I'm going to, the, the team I'm going to ask you about next, I think it's very safe to say it matters there. Uh, looking at the 49ers, you know, the fact that they are now on the third string quarterback compared to wh- where they started the season, they've won eight straight games, 11 and four. You know, obviously the division didn't provide quite the test we thought it was going to be. The only team that kind of tested them there was the one we thought was, was going to stink. You know, why why aren't the 49ers kind of favored to, to take the NFC, if not the Super Bowl right now? I know what the Eagles have done this year, but when I look at the run the 49ers have gone on, is it just a case of you you expect Purdy to come back down to earth at, at some point in time, or or why can't the 49ers go win the NFC if not the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, I don't know that they can't, and, and there's a couple of things that are really fascinating about San Francisco. Uh, number one, they may be the only team in the NFL that tells their quarterback, you don't need to win it, just don't lose it for us. I mean, whether it's Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo, that was their message. And a couple of years ago, they won the AFC, NFC championship game throwing it a grand total of eight times against the Green Bay Packers. They literally threw it eight times to punch their ticket to Super Bowl 54 with Jimmy G. Um, they, they know we have a great run game. We have suffocating defense. We have playmakers and Debo who's out right now, but Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. So just don't mess it up. Every other team wants their quarterback to win the game for them. They say just don't mess it up, and it's enough. Uh, and let's throw in a couple of nuggets here about San Francisco. They have not lost a game since Christian McCaffrey became the starting running back. They've lost one since he's been there. Uh, that was the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs where the Chiefs put up 40 on them, uh, and McCaffrey didn't start. So they're, he's 8-0 as a starter, 8-1 he, since he's gotten there. But here's the most fascinating thing about San Francisco. There's not a team in the NFL that has played them and then gone on to win the next week. Teams that play San Francisco this year are 0-13 the week after they play the 49ers. The only team to win their next game after playing the 49ers was the Chiefs, who had a bye week and still needed overtime to find a way to beat a Malik Willis-led Tennessee Titans team at Arrowhead. The point being is the 49ers beat you up they take something out of you. Like when the Bucks lost that game with, uh, against the Bengals where they had a 17 point lead and they just kept giving the ball away. It's like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. They got the crap beat out of them last week. And you tend to fumble and make mistakes when you're beat up, even with a 17 point lead, you know, Kyle Shanahan was asked about that. And he said, uh, I'd like to think we have something to do with that. I- I'm not saying it's all on us, but I'd like to think we have something to do with that. They're going to be a tough out for anybody no matter who plays quarterback, I would also suggest this. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, I bet they go back to Jimmy Garoppolo in a heartbeat.
2: I think so, too. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of wonder, Trey, if the 49ers get to the Super Bowl, the much-discussed, could Jimmy G return for the big game? If he does come back, I wonder what the, the – I don't know if it would, I would go so far as to call it a controversy, but just given how well Brock Purdy has played. But I do think that's definitely a conversation they're having. You know, one of the – I would say a, a tenor of our entire chat here this evening, and we appreciate you being generous with your time for us, has been, like you have said a couple of times, the idea of coaching and how coaching matters – And we've kind of talked about a lot of the the QBs uh, that have been taken by teams like the 49ers, like Purdy and Jimmy G, like Trevor Lawrence, like Tom Brady, that have been at the top of a lot of wish lists for a lot of guys. And we're kind of seeing – we talked about the Jets to a certain degree, but, I mean, I just – I wonder – what what goes through the mind of Robert Saleh? Because you look at the incredible job he's done with the defense, and he was a defensive guy, so no, su- not a huge surprise there, but the Jets have been a dysfunctional franchise for a long time. He has brought some respectability to them. But, boy, the, the, the experiment at QB with Zach Wilson, it's got to be over, right? I know he's been benched for the last couple of yeah. games, and Mike White is going to be the guy now at least to end the season. I don't know what the QB situation looks like next year, Maybe it is Derek Carr, who is the QB of the New York Jets next year after it's all said and done. But I just I can't see how Zach Wilson returns, given all we know now, and actually is the guy to lead men onto the football field.
1: No, you're 100 percent right. And let me let me re- reiterate. Remember that movie I talked about, 1987, <laughs> less than zero? Same odds for Zach Wilson being the Jets starter next year. And quite frankly, it's best for not only the Jets, but it's best for the kids. Uh, Zach Wilson can make every throw. There's no there's no uh, shortage of talent in his arm or in the things he can do. Zach is short on understanding the situation. You know, he's a kid that grew up in a small town in Utah, didn't go far away to college and went to BYU. His sphere of what he had to deal with was very limited, and then he goes to New York. Like, you know, I knew he was done in New York when they asked him, you need to apologize to the defense. And he didn't even bat an eye and said no. No, he recently came after that, came back and said I was wrong. I said, no. But if that's your go, like, when you're a quarterback, when you win, you praise everybody else. When you're you're a quarterback and you lose, it's on me. Look at Josh Allen after that Minnesota game where he was brilliant, but he threw that, you know, that end zone interception twice uh, and then had the fumble on the sneak. He just saying, i got to be better. i got to be better. Even though I think he threw for three-plus that game, and I think three touchdowns or maybe even four touchdowns, he's like, i got to be better. Zach needs to understand the responsibility of being a quarterback. It has nothing to do with his ability. It has everything to do with his attitude and understanding the position. One of the reasons Carson Wentz is on his third team in three years is that the Colts wanted him to come in uh, and help the quarterback room, and Carson was like, yeah, that's my off day. I go hunting. Okay, well, good luck with that. Uh, And, and, you know, you bury – like, listen to Mahomes after every game. You know, the defense really carried us. Uh, You know, we got to get better in the red zone. I made some bonehead plays, you know, in that that game against Denver where he threw three interceptions. I can't do that. The defense held us out. I got to be better. When you're the quarterback, you deflect all the praise when you win and you take all the responsibility when you lose. Zach needs a reboot and a refresh, and it's not going to happen in New York. The problem for the Jets is Mike White's not under contract next year either. So what are they going to do? But, you know, every – no matter who's played quarterback for the Jets, not named Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco made the offense look good. Mike White made the offense good. Hell, fake Tim Tebow, Chris Strebler made them look decent uh, in that Thursday night game against Jacksonville. If you're the Jets, you see every other quarterback that you've played, the offense responds to it. The problem is Zach Wilson, and he got to go.
0: Yeah, he does. Uh, we're going to let you go. You've been amazing with your time. You don't have to. You can stick around as long as you want, but you've been really generous with your time, Trey. Uh, thank you so much for taking it, and uh, enjoy the games coming up this weekend.
1: Hi, right, guys. Be well. Hope you have a good New Year.
0: There he goes. Uh, Trey Wingo, Caesar Sportsbook, Pro Football Network, contributor at the 33rd team, and host of Trey Wingo Presents, Half Forgotten History. He is a busy, busy man. Check out all his projects there. Uh, Love, love uh, Trey getting on there. You know, it's funny. He mentions, and that is going to be a flashpoint. They're going to, you know, we, I love to always throw out the Randy Carlisle. Whenever anybody says just okay about anything or anyone, I'm like, oh,
2: just like when Randy Carlisle
0: said that about James Reimer, (laughs) the no, I don't need to apologize to the defense. That is going to live in New York infamy among Jets fans and that half of the city for, you know, for for a decade at least. It's going to go on uh, forever as a little internal jerk joke there. And then it's funny. He go Trey goes there for the moment where you knew it was all over. I actually go back uh, a little sooner. I'm sure you've seen the video of him on draft night and he's on the red carpet with all of his fellow uh, likely to be selected top prospects and they are doing cool hand signs. They're doing just tons of cool oh, right. pointing at the I camera. Right. A lot of A lot of fingers are getting tossed up I'm loving it they're looking great and Zach Wilson is like can I go back to Utah right now I want to go back right now I do not want to be here anymore he was full on Ricky Bobby I don't know what to do with my hands that was the moment where I said mmm (laughs) This is gonna be a tough transition for him. So uh I was not a believer from the beginning. Uh I guess somebody must have been, or he wouldn't have gotten number two overall. But yeah, he done uh I imagine he gets a look somewhere else. Like Trey said, you don't get to that position without having the tools to make somebody believe in you. But uh I wouldn't be surprised if by twenty twenty five we are talking about uh Rough Riders Legend, Zach Wilson. Oh
2: my goodness. Can you could you imagine that that would truly be wild stuff if he ends up playing in the CFL at least like in the next couple of years at least get him like, on a necklace oh, baby get him on a necklace <laughs> i i do kind of wonder i kind of wonder if zach wilson might not be like i just i know people would hate especially raiders fans would hate to hear this but i kind of wonder if like mcdaniels misses out on getting let's say he misses out on getting tom brady in free agency yeah, we're going to talk about that by or, the way or yeah. may, <laughs> maybe he misses out on getting like aaron Rodgers, prying him out of green bay or green bay like you know offers them jordan love or something and he passes on all three of those guys could it Can you imagine what a zach wilson offense led by josh mcdaniels like you obviously as we've discussed you and i have have some fond memories of josh mcdaniels in new england but i mean i just he the the raiders experiment seems to have been a a kind of a disaster so far this season and the raiders are not rich enough to fire him after paying him millions and millions of dollars and then go hire another head coach for term next season so mcdaniels is probably going to be the head coach of that team next year uh, I would I would imagine, but boy, Gunner the Zach Wilson experiment is done. Like yeah, I I don't like, I don't know what the greater odds are: Derek Carr being the starting QB of the Jets or Jimmy G next year. Yeah, like. I think Trey nailed it. They're both
0: there, or oh, or, or, or Jimmy G. Okay, yeah, he's definitely. I think Jimmy <laughs> G is much, much more in play there. You know, the interesting thing about about McDaniel's there and and how it's worked with Carr, and you know, say what you will about Gruden, and Boyer, there are plenty of things to say. He had Derek Carr humming for for a little bit there, and you know, if Josh McDaniel's is supposed to be this offensive guru, and look, obviously it's worked, but. You know, Tom Brady makes a lot of things work. It is, you know, I don't think you can just kind of paper over that. Look, there have been changes there, and it's not just on one guy. But, you know, Derek Carr looked like a different quarterback when when Gruden was not pulling the strings, but but kind of helped shepherding him along, and he just hasn't been that guy. You know, I do I, – I guess it's talking about Carr for a second here. Do you think he's put himself into the conversation of these of these kind of – I don't want to say Geno Smith because it felt like Geno Smith still had some upside and obviously he proved it this year. But like, if you're the Jets and you don't have Mike White and you can't get him back for whatever reason, you're looking to move on, is that the guy you say, okay, we can get to 500 or kind of be respectable with Derek Carr, like, what do you think is next for him? Is he just wearing a ball cap beside somebody or or in a QB room? Like, what do you think ends up happening with him? Is he yeah. good enough for a team to kind of talk themselves into? Like, is he the 27th best quarterback in in the NFL or something along yeah, those lines?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's where I fall. I don't I, – I bet – he gets one more shot as a starting QB next year. And if it's if it turns out poorly, his, his chances of being a starting QB are probably done. He either retires or he goes holds a clipboard somewhere. And I mean, hey, holding a clipboard in the NFL, very lucrative. Very, very lucrative. Oh so if he uh, quickly, quickly,
0: as far as jobs and sports go, like we all be <laughs> we've I, I've had this conversation with my friends so many times of like, would it be the most fun to be LeBron or is it way better to be like an individual athlete like Tiger or something like that? If you can't be a hall of fame level athlete oh yeah the best job might be backup quarterback sick hat you get to wear the gear. You, you still get on TV a fair amount for, for some reason. Feels like we see these guys all the time. You are ready to walk into a TV job the second you want it. It primes you perfectly for coaching should you want to do it. Like, that is 1,000%. Outside of being a 1A superstar in whatever sport it is, I genuinely think backup quarterback is the best job you could possibly have in sport.
2: Well, here's the other thing, too, because if because if you come in in relief of an injured starter in-game and you suck Suck, then there has been there were no expectations because you're the quarterback, but you're the backup rather. But if you come in and you're great, or even just passable, like look how we just talked about Chris strevler he moved the offense like he moved it like what one fake one drive, like yeah, <laughs> like fake team Tebow, like Trey was saying, he moved the offense like 50 yards on one drive, and everyone was like, oh my god, it looks so much better. So if you're the backup and you stink, no no harm no foul. If you're the backup and you're even just passably okay. Then you get all of the glory in the world. Remember when Chad Henney came in for an injured uh, Patrick Mahomes? I I think it was against the Browns in the playoffs, and he had that insane like thirty yard TD run. He dove head first for the pylon and he scored like that. Chad, we talked about Chad Henney for like the rest of the year. I think after that, so so that's I'm totally with you. The only thing I could see being uh, equal to that is being like a super highly paid reliever in baseball who only comes in for like two to three outs.
0: Mm, that'd be great. That would be, that is true. You'd rather be, look, you'd rather be over, uh, overrated than underpaid. Yeah, hey, uh, That's what Jay-Z yeah. said. And he was right. He was right. Uh, we are here with you for another half hour or so. Uh, going to talk a little more NFL again, I am going to pull your teeth out and make you talk real juniors with me. Also, <laughs> we got to talk about the Raptors, Uh rough game last night, Norm Powell back in town, uh, always fun there. And Kawhi Leonard giving us the catnip that we so desperately desire. One segment left here on fan drive time with Gunning and Ali on Sportsnet 590, the fan.
2: Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Bourne. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Fan drive time. Cunningham Ali with you here for another half hour or so. Here with you all all week on Fan Drive Time 5 to 7 on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Aniston Murphy, I imagine, are back next week. Tomorrow? You're going to get plenty of me on the station. On top of this, Gordo, Gord Stelic, and I will also have you covered with the Leafs. They'll be back in action against the Coyotes on the road for their first visit in Mullet Arena. Sheldon Keith's wallet will be $25,000 later after he got fined for for saying mean words to to Wes McCauley when he blew a a, a massive call late in the game for the Leafs last night. Gunner, you Leafs guys, also uh, fined
2: a hundred. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You guys are going to have the uh, Will Austin Matthews play, be playing in this arena oh, in uh, four years so you can have that conversation tomorrow
0: oh my god oh my god Matthews Dale let me tell you the only way he's ever going back there is so he never has to get asked about playing there again he got when the Coyotes came to town here this year he got asked about it and he the only time I think I've heard him more just generally dismissive of a question was when he was asked about will he re- or will he sign an extension when he's eligible and right. he just did the look I'm going to talk about this once and no one's asking me about it again because there's literally nothing I could do about it right now so stop asking me questions he was so salty when he got asked oh Coyote's in town does that make you excited that is the only thing that worries me about him leaving one day is him leaving to go there so he never has to get an answer or ask questions about it again and guess what he does not want to play in that joke of an arena 4,000 5,000 seats, it's literally called Mullet Arena, could not be more of a joke going, I, I will admit like, I don't know where you lie on this a small piece of me is pretty curious to see what it looks like on TV if it'll feel different at all I would love to go to a game there, but it is a joke for the the NHL. Like, they, the league just fined the Leafs 100K for traveling on Boxing Day instead of the 27th, and they should have. It was against the CBA, but if they're so concerned about uh, the rules and the money, maybe they should make the Coyotes play in a barn that actually generates NHL-level money. Maybe.
2: Well, the they, uh, the NHL uh, Public Relations Twitter account put out the statement about Keith and the Leafs getting fined the 100K as well, and the, and the at the end of it, it says, the fine money goes to the NHL Foundation. I, d- I actually have no idea what the nhl foundation is but if it came out that it was just like money to keep the coyotes operating i wouldn't be all that surprised it's the human fund from uh, from Seinfeld. It doesn't right, actually, right. no, it doesn't,
0: I'm sure, I, like, <laughs> here's where we have to ruin the fun and say, it's probably, you know, a very worthwhile charity is, that yeah. all the money goes to, and that's good, and that's important and great, but I'd like to just live in a world where we can make fun of it, and I think of it as the human fund uh, from from Seinfeld there. One, one thing I wanted to touch on last night, we spent so much, or from last night, we spent so much time, uh, well, let's be honest, I spent so much time complaining about Sheldon Keefe getting fined and the missed call on Jordy Ben, and another. One on Zach Astabriese. Will Nylander, you know, we have the call uh, standing by. I don't think we need to play it here, but Will Nylander's goal at, at overtime last night, it is just everything that people who. You know, have harped on the player for so long, and these conversations are done. Like I am arguing about a straw man for for a little bit here, but all the things we heard about William Nylander at the end of that game, he uses great awareness to kind of force a guy into an awkward spot on the ice. Great stick to pick uh, to pick the puck, blows by him, uses his strength to push past him, wheels to push away, and the finish. No one's ever doubted that, but an incredible finish at the end of the game. Like just another example of how lucky the Leafs are to have William Nylander. And you know, there's some. What and I always harp on is, you know, we the Leafs. They got their lottery luck in Austin Matthews, one thousand percent, and they were really, really lucky. Mitch Marner fell to them at four, and because when Dylan Strome went uh, to the Coyotes, funnily enough, right, right in front of them. But I don't know that there was a bigger piece. Well, not a bigger piece, but I don't know that we properly talk about the luck. Of getting William Nylander at eight in his draft year. Like the the star he's turning into on pace for a 90-point season, close to 50 goals. I don't know that he's actually going to get there, but it's been incredible to see him kind of find this level. And we always talk about the lottery luck with Matthews and Marner, and I think we need to just kind of realize how lucky the Leafs were to grab a guy like Nylander at eight as well.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, you mentioned it last night. He basically and Tarasenko looked very tired, but he just pounced on him. I can think of no better word than just Really springing that trap, getting the puck. He strips him of the puck, and then he, he scores on Bennington. And like you said, for, on pace for 49 goals and 94 points. And he is – like he's just often the – and this kind of goes to what you're – speaks to what you're talking about, but it's just he, – he's often the – I don't want to use the word forgotten necessarily, but definitely the least discussed member from in a positive manner at the very least when it comes to the core four, right? Like people always talk about, oh, could you get like a, I mean a Roman Yossi or something, and like, or could you get another player? And what would it give up? Or like in any trade ever, it's always like, oh yeah, I trade away Nylander first. Like he's in line for a very healthy payday, kind of like a la David Pasternak, and who is who is often the other guy on another team that. Neilander often compared to, I would think, but probably also because of their their the relative contract situations. But boy, he has been absolutely phenomenal this year. It's been so much fun to watch him. Like he just he, he's put in a lot of hard work over the off season, and he has looked like it more than almost any other player. It looks like that has benefited him the most.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been incredible to see him just kind of be this guy and it's tough because I think with the conversations of you don't want to overpraise him. There is a reason why he makes, you know, pretty much uh, nearly half or or not quite half, but he makes 3 million, 4 million bucks less than what the core the rest of the core four make and there's a reason for that up until this year. And look, Marner's been incredible. We know what Matthews is. Tavares has kind of cooled off after the tough spot or the, the red-hot start for him. But it's it's really nice to see Nylander be this. And honestly, it's not that we haven't seen these flashes before, but it's just the consistency he's been able to bring it with night in, night out. And just to kind of put a pin on that, uh, yeah, they would have, the Leafs would have rather had uh, Aaron Eckblad or Leon Dreisaitl, who went ahead of Nylander in that draft. But Sam Reinhardt, Sam Bennett, Michael Cole, Jake Furtanen, Hayden Fleury, yeah, she yes, would take Nylander. For over sure. a heartbeat so yeah you look at all all the lotto luck they had and I don't think it can be uh kind of overstated uh enough in terms of that uh show I I know that this is not uh oh, not not uh, front and center for you but I actually have a question for you <laughs> okay. and I don't even know if this like made its way into your world or not so boxing day that's always when I do my big family thing like it is my on my mom's side of the family all the cousins get together the kids the grandkids 100,000 people there so boxing day is always a big day and a big part of it is the 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 world juniors are usually on. Now I was kind of away from the TV. I wasn't seeing much, but you would have thought that hockey was ceasing to be played in this country. The way my phone was blowing up with, with uh, the loss uh, in the first game to Czechia, And the guy's trying to hot dog it with the Michigan. All I could actually think of is, how, I, I just had to laugh at the reaction from people. of This is disgusting. I can't believe it. And I want to be clear. I'm laughing at myself because I had the exact same reaction there. Did this even make its way into your bubble? Were you just laughing at all of us hockey men from, from a distance? Did you see any of this reaction? And are you a little tired of every year us having this referendum uh, when a bunch of 18- uh, to 19-year-olds play in a tournament at Christmas break?
2: <laughs> I, I think I have carefully curated my uh, social media twitter mm, so you experience mute me. yeah so you mute me okay <laughs> yeah, I, Good I just to know i just don't i don't see any of it okay like, I, I don't know if like merrick is tweeting about it if you are if sam is like <laughs> if is. is. Like, i i have no idea because i just i do not see any of it when the world juniors are on I, I you know it's funny actually my big family thing is also on boxing day so it was all of my cousins like my mom is the youngest of seven and yeah, my mom's got a big
0: family too. Yeah, yeah, like
2: all of her sisters were there, their spouses, their kids were my first cousins. So we're all in our thirties, forties. Some of them are in their fifties, and a lot of my older cousins have kids who are are teenagers now. Like they're between fourteen and seventeen, and they love watching the World oh, Juniors. Yeah, the like best. they love it. So I I went into the uh, like the kind of family room at my aunt's house, where they're all watching, and like it was it was like the rest of the house was so lively, everyone's talking. But oh, look, the turkey's so great this year. Oh yeah, whatever. And then. I walk in and it was dead silent. Like you could have heard a, could have heard a pin drop as check. I think Czechia was up three, two when I looked and then it was time for the uh, annual family photo. So everyone like begrudgingly got up and walked out. So I essentially watched legitimately 30 seconds of that game. And then we went to take a picture and it got lost in the chaos. That is uh, boxing. My family. I'm just, house. I'm
0: just going to read to you a text uh, that you may or may, may okay. not be
2: able to guess who okay. it, who it came from. I'm hearing of
0: a disgraceful performance multiple michigan's attempted question mark uh so yes it it, it has made its way through uh has gonna be through my Key. world it's gonna yeah, be Stanley mikey Key. mikey yeah. he was on he's on vacation <laughs> and uh, saw what happened there it's just it is funny to see how uh how much we all get bent out of shape and look i remember being that age there i look you know watching the leafs with tucker and sundin and that era will always be special to me uh but there is no turn of it you love when you're 16 or 17 like that one uh you know one other thing uh we we definitely wanted to talk about today and we're gonna get to our, our betting lines of the night, uh, brought to you by Bet Rivers, in just a second here. But the the incredible performance by Luka Doncic. You know, oh, I'm goodness. not I'm not I'm not uh, telling anybody anything they don't know in terms of oh look at this, it's great that the it, it, it's great that Luka Doncic is great. And he has this incredible performance. We all know how good Luka is. Did that feel like I don't want to say a crossover moment because I don't think a, a win I, a, you know in December changes anybody's mind on who he is as a player, but it felt like that kind of had a bit of a breakthrough feel, you know, not that we're going to get it, but if we ever got like the Luka Doncic's last dance doc, it feels like that would be an episode. The 60-point triple-double doing the Slovenian shuffle as he ties it up late. Like, it was just an incredible performance and, you know, for a guy who hasn't quite got to have these moments, you know, he's had some of them in the playoff battles with the Clippers there, but it was just it was awesome to see him kind of have this moment where we all just stand around and spend the day talking about how awesome Luca is because there's a ton of great players in the NBA and he absolutely gets his due but this feels like kind of a again breakthrough maybe feels too strong of a moment.
2: Oh, yeah, that's like I I honestly don't think it's hyperbole to say that that was a top five performance in like the history of the NBA. Like that was some truly ridiculous stuff. And I say this obviously not having watched like Wilt Chamberlain play live, but I mean, he did something. Oh, just pull a
0: LeBron. Just pull a LeBron. Just say, oh, I remember I was there. It
2: was incredible. The big dipper. He's so good. It was wild. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. As they not only do they win in overtime, but I think the Knicks were up by what, like nine points with 33 seconds to go, and they blew that lead. It was something like teams that were up by nine points with 33 seconds left in the history of the NBA were like thirteen thousand and O, like no team had ever lost in those kinds of situations. And I think I think if you go back and you work in like that. The two games that probably come to most people's minds—the Reggie Miller game and I think the Tracy McCready game as well—I mm-hmm. think in both of those situations, the the other team scored a little bit, so it kind of the score did kind of go back and forth, which is why I think they're probably not included in in that in that kind of set, that gigantic data set. But boy, uh, Luca was wild, right? The, actually, this is the call from uh, last night. This is Chuck Hooperstein, who is the Dallas Mavericks radio guy. Yeah, we, t- fantastic. He he was. He was so great the entire game, but this is what his call was. As the game went to overtime, Luka Doncic at the stripe, intentionally missing the free throw. Great call.
1: On the way, hit it hard, rebound, batted around.
0: It's taken by Luka. He hits, he hits with a second to go as he hits the deck. Tied at 115. It worked. It totally worked. Inbounded quickly.
1: Three-quarter court. Wide left. Overtime.
2: Like, that's a call that's going to live in Dallas sports history. Like, honestly, maybe even, like, dare I say, NBA history. Like, it was just a great energy-filled call, and then they go on to win in overtime, obviously. But, boy, like, the energy in the crowd must have been insane
0: there is no way uh some some wonderful technical director like our man Tom Young who's working in Dallas today hasn't clipped it worked yeah, it,
2: it totally worked, worked <laughs> as yeah. a
0: drop that's going to be used uh for a long long time in that market uh it, it's the play, that play there you know there are moments you kind of get like that in sports like sometimes you will see you know i think i think the parallels you think of are an onside kick it's like let's try this it almost never works or you know i think of a team having You know, similarly in basketball, you see these moments where a team will have 0.3 seconds left and you just try something. But how many times have we talked about this or you've seen a team in that situation and it never happens. It never happens where they get the miss and it goes to, it doesn't go to anybody. It goes to Luca. He's the guy who's able to grab the board and that's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of happenstance, but that's also him being who he is. And then for him to get it, the celebration afterwards, uh, yeah, I stole that from somebody on Twitter great shout out to whoever that was calling it the Slovenian shuffle he's flapping his arms (laughs) up and down he looks like a toddler who's about to get ice cream or something it was it was great to see and a really kind of statement moment for him this is going to be oh actually you know I just I feel bad for Luca. Does this, like is this gonna make it into all of the New Year's Eve countdowns now, or Ooh. is this gonna be like lost in the sands oh, of time? It gotta. All it the has It has to. I don't
2: know. Man, it has to be right. I, I I will say if that doesn't make it in, then the in the kind of post game. Uh, interview he had with uh with the bali sports reporter i think he said to the guy he needs a recovery beer that's what i think those were his literal words and he was he was tired as hell needs recovery beer that instantly vaulted luca to the top of the mvp list maybe he was already there maybe he was like 1a 1b with jason tatum or whatever Whatever you want to fall on that i don't think there's a wrong answer given how they've played but boy after that i mean what a what a legend like that guy is there there's a real chance that once lebron retires the player, I mean, I think Giannis will always be there to take the mantle of like the the you know Greek freak. He's called that for a reason. But in like less than five years, if Luca is not the goat, not I mean a goat, but like the best player alive, kind of like Connor McDavid took that title pretty quickly once he came into the NHL. I I wouldn't be shocked if it was Luca Doncic. No, you're you're French gangly boy.
0: Victor Wembanyama is <laughs> so <laughs> offended at you for for already giving this title to Luca. There, I I think he is good. I think this is the really fun thing about the NBA. The way it's shaping up now is for so long. And look, I you know the LeBron era of the NBA kind of shaped my fandom for, a, for to a certain extent. So I'm not going to knock it. But this is the really fun part about the league right now is that you can have these conversations and it's not one or one or two guys. Like Steph Curry is still the face of the league for for a lot of people. And you know the other part about this that just makes it such a fun conversation is uh, if you are a suns fan or a Kings fan uh, you will never ever stop being sad about this or a Hawks fan because you actually yeah. had the foresight to draft him and uh, and traded him there so yeah uh, I uh, I love me some Luca I love talking about it and a 60point triple double is uh, is as good an excuse uh, as any uh, show it is time for the last call brought to you by bet Rivers it's a whole new game light night tonight no NFL you know I love some NFL gambling I got to be honest that is always my uh, my favorite praise we'll place to start. We'll do some Yeah, we will. I know. I know. We'll we'll get there uh, eventually uh, our boy David Sis pulling pulling some lines for us uh, for us here. Uh, he he's throwing out. I'm going to give him all the credit or the blame uh, if if it should not go your way. Uh Kyle Lowry plus eight hundred score the first field goal of the game against the Lakers and Heat. Man, I just saw LeBron eligible to play in that one. Obviously, back in Miami, uh, a little interesting there. Uh, so again, uh, get your lines uh, on Bet Rivers. Uh, also, some big NHL favorites tonight. The Lightning are minus three eighty five at home against the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, the Canadians are going to be plus three hundred uh, underdogs the next two nights. It'll be tonight and then tomorrow they got the Panthers in Florida. Uh, they are plus uh, they're they're plus three ten tonight. I'm pretty sure they're plus three hundred for tomorrow as well uh so uh that that one just jumps out at me i love 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 uh a a big line there uh so that's always fun uh that was last call brought to you by bet rivers it is a whole new game uh you know show uh when we're talking about luca there we should probably uh get sneak in uh, some some Raptors, obviously. Norm Powell back in town tonight. Kawhi Leonard, or last night, Kawhi Leonard playing. Uh, Powell, he he made the point that the Raptors are the only other team, or the only team he kind of circles a game against. You know, it feels so weird that that's his return game. Uh, It's so long ago. Gary Trent Jr. feels like he's been here for five years, even though it hasn't been that long. Uh, Powell was good last night for the Clippers. Raptors, once again, stumbling uh, against a good team. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Powell coming back last night or just the Raps loss uh, as a whole
2: yeah it it was certainly nice to see Powell come back and like you said he mentioned he had circled this date so hey good for him that he scored uh you know what 20 plus points in his return but the the boy the Raptors and and hey it's always fun to watch Kawhi Leonard play because because of the chronic injuries he deals with he also suited up in this one and he just he just makes whatever he's doing on the court whenever he is actually playing looks so effortless it's just actually ludicrous just how, how good Kawhi Leonard is but that's not neither of those things are hot takes by any means but the Raptors just I don't know they just never really especially recently they never really felt like they have locked in defensively against a lot of teams but certainly against the Clippers like they were just moving the ball whenever they wanted Zubak had a decent night as well I think he had what 20 plus points himself and I think he had, I think he had a double double actually lots of open threes I don't know. It's just, Fred VanVleet obviously had the back spasms and so on, so their life didn't get any easier with guys kind of coming and going. And I think uh, Coloco left the game as well, but I don't know. The Raptors just—they look like they do look like they're not in free fall necessarily, but just look like they are struggling to find an identity on defense. And I guess with so many guys coming and going, it's not easy. Having said that, I have actually seen some people—I don't know if you've seen this, Gunner—but I have seen mm. some people suggest that Nick Nurse should be fired. And I just want to say, if that is your thought, give your head a shake because that might be one of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time.
0: I don't know that it's the the flat-out dumbest thing I've heard in a long time, but I think if you don't believe in Nick Nurse being the coach, then you don't believe in the vision that they've put together. Because I think if your problem is with Nick Nurse as a coach, what would go differently? And look, like other coaches have different schemes. I understand that, but... Is another coach going to shrink or grow some of these guys? They're all going to be 6'9". They're all going to have long arms. You're not going to have a ton of shooting outside of the spurts. You see it from from Trent Jr. There, The way this team is built is the issue. And I understood the science experiment of throwing it all together. But the fact that you've got the year you've got from Pascal Siakam and it still hasn't worked, that's where I go to roster construction. And I understand the idea of... You need sometimes to change the voice when a year has just kind of gone funny the way this year has for the team. But I don't think I've seen anything from Nurse that would make me feel that somebody else would go about things differently. Yes, some of the rotations would be better. Maybe some are different. Some guys would have a longer leash. We know Nurse is you know hesitant to trust younger players at times. But you know, is is a new coach going to make Fred VanVleet healthy? Is a new coach going to add some? Well, I guess this roster is full of versatility. But add some guys who actually have established roles and you know what you're going to get out of them and what you expect of them a night to night. So I don't have a, you know, I don't, I don't throw it away at first blush, but I think that because of the way it's constructed, I just don't know how a new coach fix, fixes things. When I look at a coaching change in the middle of the season, you know, I want, well, I don't want to see this, but I think it helps when you see guys just looking discombobulated and there's, you know, a little bit of snapping on the bench and you're not happy with one another. I haven't necessarily seen that. It seems like there's still a lot of harmony among this Raps team and I think if you're making a coaching change, then what if it doesn't work out? You're just completely blowing that's it up. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's where some people want to go with it. But you know, nurse nurse was able to win a chip, and I suppose it's possible you say, well, Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry did that. But if you're going to blow it up anyways, I think you might as well keep him and see what he could do with whatever the new group is. Unless you're just going into full, full, full bottom out tank and Pascal's gone and Fred's gone. And then you might as well get a coach, a coach whose strengths are much more targeted to growing young players. Cause for all the good things I have to say about Nick nurse, I don't think that's one of them.
2: Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. Like the, the things that I think were that he could deploy to confuse, especially stars, like the, he used, he used zones very creatively trapping guys, the, the much discussed full court press and the, the, the box and one, all the, all those different kinds of things. I think they don't surprise the Kawhi Leonard's and Paul George's of the world as much as they did when we first saw them busted out in the NBA Finals against Steph Curry, for example, right? So I think that that perhaps is on Nick Nurse, but I do think we talk about a lot about roster construction. That's less on him and more, and certainly to a degree on Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri, but also it's just like you said, is any is anything changing gonna be gonna be changing the health of, of uh, you know Pascal Siakam getting injured right at the beginning of the season or Fred Van Vliet having an injury multiple injuries over the course of this season or or any number of guys because this has been a, I think in terms of like man hours lost the Raptors have have almost more or the same hours lost as the next team or they're in the top three mm-hmm. it's just it, it hasn't been great for them so I would I think I would rather see them. If not, blow up the roster, make a major move in some way, shape, or form. Even if that's if that means getting a big man and a big man who can pass. Like, you know, we've seen what the, this team looks like with a certainly with JV, certainly with a Marcus All. If they get a guy on that level, I would love to see what the team looks like because I bet even with all the various injuries, if they get a big man who can, like a real big man who can even if he's not the greatest shooter, someone who can pass along the baseline, that that's going to change the composition of this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly would. That's been something you talk about. Like you said, pretty much since Sabaka and Gasol have been gone, they've never really found that guy. You know, they have guys who give them somewhat capable minutes, and Kolko has been re- really, honestly, quite found money there. But the thing that I keep coming back to at this Raptors team that that does make you question if you can believe in it is look at the year Pascal Siakam's had. Look at the year OG Ananobi has had. And, you know, okay, Fred Van Vliet hasn't quite had the season he wanted, but Siakam and OG are having maybe not a career year for Siakam, but he's getting back to what we've seen of his career year. And OG Ananobi is playing the best basketball we've seen him play in his NBA life. Again, not right this very moment, but for the bulk of this year. And if you're going to get that out of those guys and it's still not enough, I don't know that just a big man is, is enough to fix it. And that's where you start to have questions about the long-term plan. And then I think when you have questions about the long-term plan, the logical place to go with that is what do you have in Scotty Barnes? Is yeah, he yeah. is he the 1A? Is he the second banana? How do you look at that? And I don't think you can know the answer to that question yet, but if you're going to blow it up, I think you probably should have a pretty good idea because that does really change the way you kind of go about this, I think.
2: I, I hope OG doesn't get traded, but given, I don't know if you saw the reports that like everyone yeah. and their mother wants OG, yeah. so if, if they do blow it up, then I imagine OG for like a super hefty return is where it starts. Again, I, I do not wish that to be the case because I've just enjoyed watching him play in Toronto, but hey, I mean, I, it, just, it does feel like there are some big changes for the Raptors on the not-too-distant horizon, Gunner.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what it looks like. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Raptors, they'll be back tomorrow as well. They got a date with the Grizzlies. It's been Fan Drive Time on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, thanks so much for listening with Gunning and Ali. We'll be back tomorrow at 5.